0: Hi, I'm Shane Ray. Welcome to Central Indiana Today. We're going to be talking with some folks from the Hendricks County Enchanted Ferry Trail. And I didn't know what it was either, but I'm I'm intrigued now because they have something big coming to Hendricks County in May of 2019. And they'll explain all of that. Also, we have riders from the 2018 Rockin' Hendricks County event it's going to be Autumn Busey and also Trip NASDAQ representing Sheltering Wings. We'll talk with them oh, about halfway into our show. But first, we're going to talk with an author from Brownsburg. He has a book, it's just about to be published, about the 1980 uh, baseball season, and it gets more specific than that. And I'll just go ahead and let him explain it all to you. You stay right here for Central Indiana today. This is Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. Welcome to Central Indiana today in the studio with me. He's a first-time guest, but we have been Facebook friends for a long time and, of course, occasionally run into each other. So uh, his name is Jay Daniel. He lives here in Brownsburg. Am I right on that? Correct, yes. Okay, first off, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I am just dandy. <laughs> Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself.
1: Well, I'm I, I originally from Southeast Ohio, south, yeah, Southwest Ohio. Sorry, uh, moved to uh, Chicago, and I've spent some time in Florida. But I've been here in Brownsburg since 2006. Uh, worked for the IndyCar Series for a while, um, and I'm currently at uh, at IUPUI, in uh, you know one of been a huge baseball fan my entire life and this has been a passion project for me so it's been a lot of fun
0: well let's talk about exactly what it is first off it is about baseball so it all works out exactly amazing (laughs) what a coincidence the book is called finally and uh, i'll have him spell that for you and explain all of that it's called finally the phillies the royals in the 1980 baseball season that almost wasn't now Spell finally for the people listening.
1: That would be finally with a P-H, P-H-I-N-A-L-L-Y, exclamation mm-hmm. point. Explain that for us. Well, uh, it, the Philadelphia Phillies are the team that won the World Series that year uh, in 1980, and it was their first World Series title, only the third time that they'd been in the World Series, and they'd been around since 1887, so it took them 93 years to win a World Series title. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly fans in Philadelphia um, were very, very frustrated, and it was a, something that was a long-awaited title for the city. Now, you have been into, like you said, baseball is
0: your passion. You're much like our own Brian Scott in the morning. I don't know if you two are Facebook friends, but he likes to post and gripe about uh, everything about baseball. And okay. so uh, you t- he'll probably really enjoy this interview. In fact, it'd probably be better if he was the one doing it. He would probably like that. But anyway, uh, were you a Phillies fan or a Royals fan or just baseball in general?
1: Uh, I grew up a Phillies fan, actually. Amazingly enough, I grew up in southwest Ohio during the Big Red Machine era, um, and I was a huge Phillies fan. And I think at, at the time, my, my mom grew up in Philadelphia, and when you're six or seven years old and knew one of your parents roots for a team, that's either a great reason to root for that team or root against that sure. team, depending on how you feel <laughs> about your parents. Um, so in my in my case, I really started to follow the Phillies. They were really good at that time. Um, and so they, they won the division in 76, 77, and 78. Um, did very, very poorly in the playoffs, got swept. By the Reds in '76 and on and on '77 and '78. So then, 1980. I was, you know, I was in eighth grade. That was the fall of my eighth grade year. And um, but I was a big time Phillies fan by that point. I was old enough to know what was going on, but not old enough to know all the behind the scenes stuff to get me jaded. And again, it was a different era. Um, So that was a little bit more difficult to do to be as jaded as people are today. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was, it was a lot of fun and and I was a big, big Phillies fan. Like I said, Mike Schmidt is, is been one of my favorite players for my entire life. He just had a birthday last week. So Mm -hmm. um, September 27th. So, I mean, it's a big, big day for me. And now were you one of those who was,
0: uh, let's, let's put it this way. If, um, you know, usually if you're a Cubs fan, you're not any other area. You know, you're not a Sox fan. You're not – you hate everyone else. Or Bears, I should say, also. Now, sure. when I was growing up, uh, in my school anyway, it seemed like all the – most of the guys uh, were either a Steelers fan or a Cowboys fan. And usually, m- majority of the guys I knew were Cowboys fans. And the, if you were a Cowboys fan, you hated – Pittsburgh or anybody sure. else you know I mean they were the especially Steelers absolutely uh, I remember I'm listen to Zig Ziglar who's a motivational speaker I don't yep. know if you know who oh, he yeah. is but he said he doesn't know much about football but he does know that uh, if the, the ref calls a foul on the, the Cowboys he's wrong exactly. and that's all there is to it now exactly. I said all of that to circle back around were you a, a anti-royals guy I mean you just hated the Royals or anything like that no
1: it wasn't an anti-royals thing again because back in those days the, that was the only time they ever played you know was in that World Series so I was more I was an anti-Reds fan at the time (laughs) because again one of my first baseball memories was the Reds sweeping the Phillies in the 1976 uh, NLCS and so um, that was you know like I said I grew up that big Phillies fan and on one of my first experiences of you know seeing them in the postseason and really kind of understanding for the first time really what was going on and I see my team get smoked and I'm going what's going on and then of course (laughs) obviously to, to root against the Reds in the middle 70s was not um, not a beneficial exercise, um, especially living in southwest Ohio at the time. But, I mean, yeah. you were against that team and you were in trouble. You were going to come out on the short end of it most of the time. Now, in that era, and
0: I've asked uh, usually, of course, we have Bob Jenkins on, uh, who's an right. Car announcer, well-known, uh, as well as some of his um, other uh, announcers. When it comes to sports, whether, and in this case, baseball, do you have a, a preference for uh, radio versus TV? Do you like how – and, and I've t- uh, to be honest with you, when I was growing up, we had a neighbor who always watched the Cardinals – but he always listened to him on the radio. Sure. I mean, he'd be watching the TV. He's listening but to Jack Buck, <laughs> exactly. Jack Buck, Joe Buck, Mike Shannon. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: uh, ex- Grew up broadcasting those games. By the way, uh, uh, at the first radio station okay. I worked at. Wow. Different story. I'll tell you off, Mike. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> because I heard things that the uh, the public didn't get to hear. Sure. In yeah. queue. Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, Uh, Getting back to that, uh, do you have a preference on uh, radio uh, or or
1: TV or anything like that? I think there's nothing like baseball on the radio. I I think baseball on the radio... I mean, certainly any sport is you know is is just fine on the radio, but mm-hmm. there's a nostalgia and a romanticism to baseball on exactly. the radio that you don't get in other sports, um, and it's and I think it has a lot to do with the pace of the game, um, and then you hear the stories about guys like Vince Scully who would have an egg timer in front of him and every he would flip it over and he when the sand ran out he realized he needed to read the score tell everybody what the score is because he knew on the radio people are coming in and coming yep. out and
2: yeah
1: um, and so. You know, and, and I think when you look back at it too, and you look at some of the the classic Hall of Fame broadcasters, you think of those guys as radio guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ernie Harwell, and, and I mean, in this area, Marty Brennan, obviously another Hall of Famer, Harry Callis with the Phillies, um, again, Jack Buck with, with the Cardinals, and Harry Carey, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. those guys are. You think I mean certainly Harry becomes more of a TV guy as things progress but I mean those were those are you think of those guys as radio guys yeah. um Mel Allen you know I mean so there there certainly is something special about listening to a baseball game on the radio Yeah and uh you
0: know it seems like everyone also had their favorite announcers as well as announcers they couldn't stand sure <laughs> you know this old, I'm assuming you did too
1: well i mean uh, again i growing up in southwest ohio marty brennan was i mean i you know i didn't like necessarily like the reds but there's not a lot of people that called a game like marty yeah. did back in the day and and you know and marty still does a nice job i think marty marty is now you know the hall of famer marty brenneman and he's not doing very many games anymore but at the time he was you know i mean you're talking 37 years ago he was kind of new in his career there and, and um so it was it was a great experience to, to grow up and listening to him and joe nuxhall call reds games on the radio i mean that's something that's special that not a lot of people get to experience
0: now do you feel like and i'm i'm kind of branching off the book here but uh considering this is your passion uh, and you do have radio experience uh, do you feel like there has been any loss as uh, TV has become the main uh, way people watch things in radio broadcasters? Do they still have that magic? Or are they still able to paint that
1: picture? I don't. I, it's t- I think for I think it becomes more generational now. I think for people our age, yeah, radio is still there. But I mean, I work at a college and we talk about radio in college, and they, you know. A lot of people that are younger don't even they don't listen to the radio right. They're listening to you know music on their phones or mm-hmm. whatever or you know um and so i think maybe that's where you're going to see that transition and I, I mean i still enjoy i mean i'll put it this way i'm not a person that's going to listen to a game on the radio when i'm watching it at home mm-hmm. um and i and i've actually have tried it before and there's also the part, factor with the delay a little everything. delay there so, yeah. so it makes it a little weird which is a big reason why i don't do it but mm-hmm. um But certainly there's not much lost at all, I mean, with with the right broadcaster, too, if you've got a game on the radio, because they can paint pictures and they can tell stories that that uh, you don't do on television. And for any other reason, because they're jamming in graphics and everything else that they have to talk about. And a lot of those graphics are sponsored. And sure, um, you know, so um, it makes it a little bit different. Let's get back to the book now. I've
0: pulled away from that enough. So uh, uh, what made you decide this was the one you want to write about? Why was uh, this particular season so important to you?
1: Well, I'm am a I'm a big 80s guy. And yeah. so I was born in 1967. So I had that sweet spot, right, where I was basically my entirety of my high school and college life was in that decade. And so I think there's something to that where had I been born five years earlier, five years later, and it's split between the two. Having said that, I originally started off thinking that I was going to write a book about the entire decade. And then I started down the road of doing research and looking into, um, Milestones and one off accomplishments. There's a guy, Freddie Patek, um, who was five foot five. His nickname was the Flea, but he hit three home runs in a game on June 20th of 1980, right? And so you start to look through all those individual stories, doing the research for those, writing some of that stuff out. And I realized at a certain point I was at 50 or 60 pages in to telling these one-off stories and I hadn't even begun to tell the story of the season yet (laughs) you know and so I realized at that point well okay I could either write a 3,000 page book about the entire decade continuing down this path or I could branch off into 1980 tell that story since I've already done a lot of that work and again the fact that I grew up a Phillies fan made it that much easier for me to make that decision so that was that was a part of it and hopefully this won't be the last one I'd I'd love to keep going and do some other years as well
0: Did you find uh, that uh, you found a lot of stuff you didn't know or forgot or
1: was fascinated with as you went along in your research? Absolutely. absolutely. I mean, and I think that's a big – that was one of the things I was talking to someone about recently is I think it would be different to write a book about this year, 30 years from now, because of the media proliferation and everything is so different. And so, to your point, you hear a lot of those stories. When you – I grew up – I mean, again, as I've said – Right outside of Cincinnati, I got the Bulldog edition of the Cincinnati Inquirer that's delivered to my house at maybe one in the morning. So there's games played on a Monday night. If they're not in the Eastern time zone, I'm getting that paper on Tuesday morning and it's late game not included. I might not find out who won that game until Wednesday. Hmm. You know, whereas now, I'm at work and Tucker Barnhart hits a home run. If I can't see it on my phone in 15 minutes, I'm going, "What the heck's going on?" Right. And so <laughs> so all those stories if you grew no matter where you grew up, if you grew up in Ohio in the, or you know, in Indiana or if you grew up on the East Coast, you didn't really know what was going on on the West Coast because you just didn't have that coverage. And maybe you had it in the sporting news, but it was a Whatever five six hundred word column that was a really just a notes column that came out once a week, whereas now you can go online and read those papers on a daily basis. Yeah. So it becomes a, a very different. So I, I fell down a ton of research rabbit holes of you know oh you know you're looking for a story about this player and oh wow look there's a sale at you know <laughs> you know I mean I was one of the things that was amazing was that you act, you really really could buy a reliable car for less than it cost you to buy a VCR. Hmm. Um and on top of that you'd pay more for a one blank VHS tape than you would co- pay to fill the gas tank of that car that you just bought. VHS tapes were $15 a piece. Yeah. Which is just crazy. And I mean and VCRs top end VCRs were on sale for $1200. Yeah. And it weighed a ton. Oh, exactly, yeah. (laughs) They were huge. Those big front load, top loaders, yeah, they were monstrous.
0: Anyway, all right, well, uh, in the book, uh, as far as uh, getting
1: it done, getting it put together, how do you go, did you give yourself deadlines? Well, I mean, I started actually, as the the project began in 2010, Mm -hmm. um, actually, I got laid off and said, hey, this is a great time to write my book, and then I realized, yeah, I also need to support my family so um, that's always getting in the way isn't it it (laughs) does real life becomes an issue sometimes so kind of from start to finish I mean, when I really when it switched from a dream to a project became it was about a three year process, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then from there, I I mean, I, you know, I have a full time job and I have kids that were playing sports and I'm coaching their teams. And so it was a lot of work um, during lunch breaks on weekends, um, you know, a lot of research at the time, you know, just like I said, digging into uh, reading 23 pages of a whole bunch of different books, um, you know, that covered that era, whether they be athlete biology or histories or finding old newspaper articles going through microfilm um so all things that are not familiar with the people these days. But and then, you know, just going online and reading tons and tons of newspapers. So, yeah, it was. A, but it, but again, it was a lot of fun and it was fun to find those stories. And you I mean, I'm constantly stumbling over things that you, that end up becoming parts of the book.
0: Did you get to uh, I mean, full disclosure, I haven't read the book and we'll get into that in just a bit. But uh, were you able to. Uh, talk to anybody from that era on the phone interviews, anything like that, or correspondence about uh, I, uh,
1: I, I kind i didn 't um, and i I made a conscious choice not to chase that yeah. um, for a couple of reasons one that 's difficult to do I, I kind of when I started had little to no credentials yeah um, the other part of it was that i 'm kind of one of a person that if I had talked to three guys where am I going to stop? Right. Yeah. I, I talked to three guys and, Oh, well I remember telling, you know, and I'm just, I would still be chasing interviews now, mm-hmm. seven years later. The other part of that was that a lot of, there are some books that are in the same genre that I've read, um, and really liked, um, that were basically all pulled from contemporaneous sources. And so, um, <clears throat> there's a certain rawness to that. When you, when you enter, when you're, when you're pulling a quote from a, from a newspaper that was right after the game, mm-hmm. That's one thing. But if you talk to the same guy about that same game 30 years later, you're going to get a completely different reaction. And so I wanted to make it more in the moment. The goal was to sort of put people in that moment again, to relive that moment. And that's another reason why I mixed in pop culture stuff. I talked about movies. I talked about – and that was the Who Shot JR summer. Right, right. Um, Mount St. Helens erupted that summer. Um, You know, Friday the 13th and The Shining and Caddyshack and the Blues Brothers came out that year. Um, you know air supply right that was (laughs) yeah I mean you know the wall came out in 79 so that became a big part of 1980 I didn't really get into that much at all but I didn't do a whole lot of music in it but it's again I think as, as somebody who lived through that era I tried to mix in as much of that stuff as I could and, and try to tell some different stories that maybe people hadn't heard. I mean, David airplane came out in 1980 and David Letterman actually read for the role, the lead male lead. Oh, in that, yeah. Um, and then he actually was on the, he had the Zucker brothers on his show a couple of years later and they played his screen test on the show. And then David Letterman said, well, gee, if you had picked that movie made for maybe it would have made some money, you know, yeah. if you had picked me for it. But, <laughs> uh, but so, I mean, there's all sorts of those little stories that I've found, you know, about, I mean, airplane is a fan is a fabulous and, and very interesting story about the backstory with the stuff that went on in that movie. They actually originally wanted Pete Rose for the for the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar role, but then they shot the movie in August, and he obviously wasn't available seventy nine, so they went with Kareem. So.
0: Yeah, you know, and I, I think that's a good point. Uh, getting back to what you were saying was these, uh, of course, obviously I'm into music. Sometimes I will read a review of an album from, say. Let's say, for instance, the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album by the Beatles. And there were... I would like to read uh, reviews, rather, from when that album came out, as opposed to people who are reviewing it now, or even sometimes, in some cases, the same people who reviewed it in 1967 take, quote-unquote, a look back... And give their opinion, which and is completely different. Completely different. Right. They say, "Oh, it's it's wonderful." When at the time they said, "Wow, the Beatles are really dropping the ball on this one." Yeah, and it's like, it. I told my I myself discount the 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 current review, and I want to know because those people are living in that moment talking about at that time and comparing it with what else is on
1: the radio at that exact
0: moment and that's what makes it fair. Is that a good good analysis? Yeah,
1: and and to that point when you get into movies I mean Critics hated Friday the 13th. I mean, that was, you know, when that first came out, that was probably the goriest movie ever released, right? I mean, one of the critics at the time said there's no way to judge the performance of individual actors because none of them are on screen long enough before they get killed. (laughs) um, And the, the interesting story about that was that, you know, Jason's mother was played by a woman named Betsy Palmer, who to that point was almost like an America sweetheart kind of a thing. She was this well loved figure. She actually got the script and said this movie is horrible no one is ever going to see this but it's a week's worth of shooting she needed a new car so she took the money and did the and 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 did the movie mm-hmm. it turns into this big thing and some people were there was actually a, um, a movie reviewer i can't remember which one it was but a prominent i mean like of the Gene Siskel you know, right, that caliber who published her home address in his article and said, write her a note and tell her how disappointed you are in her for doing this role. I mean, Jeez. that. so and, and I mean, he, he doxed her. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not, that wasn't a thing then, but that's basically what he did. Right. Um, and so to your point, you get you get those contemporary or contemporaneous reviews that I mean, Gene Shallot hated The Shining, said it was awful. Yeah. You know, um, and there's actually his review on The Today Show is on YouTube. <laughs> um, of the Shining, and so I mean, again, it's it's interesting to to go back and look at those and see how how those things were received, and then to your point, you look at them now; they're viewed as uh, as classics. But at the time, it was horribly, horribly reviewed, and of course, you everyone talked about how awful Friday the Thirteenth was, which just made more people want to go to see it, right. and it becomes the Plan Nine from Outer Mars or Outer Space,
3: you <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: know.
1: So, <laughs> all right, uh,
0: back to the book now. Finally, the Phillies, the Royals, in the nineteen eighty baseball season that almost wasn't by Jay Daniel it's who we're talking with uh, it's not out yet right?
1: Correct should be out here very very soon um, we're in October now so I'm hoping um, it will be out in the next month or so maybe six weeks it is available for pre-order so if you wanted to you know beat the neighbors um, and make sure you get your copy uh, you could do that on Amazon or uh, it's being published through Rick Farland Books so if you go to their website you can find it as well and available at other fine retailers
0: yeah and you got a picture If you go to Amazon and you see, you look that up, uh, there is a picture of the cover, and uh, there's a little bit of a description in case you're not quite getting it from what we're talking about (laughs) here. There's a bit of a description there, and uh, uh, it's uh, get your pre-order in now if that's what you want to do, and uh, hopefully make a great Christmas present for someone. There you even go. You never know. Uh, and if folks want more information, do you have a Facebook page or a website or anything like that? Uh, yeah,
1: actually, 80sbaseball.com is my blog uh, that I started sort of as a companion to the book. I'm also on Facebook at 80s Baseball. Um, just search 80s Baseball. And then I'm on Twitter at jdaniel2033. Um, so publish a lot of stuff. If you're if you're a baseball person, you'll find that uh, you'll probably enjoy following. If, you're, if you don't like baseball, Um, I'd probably steer away, because that's pretty much all I post. (laughs) So...
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't buy an Elvis book hoping to find out how to rebuild my Rochester carburetor. Well, that's you know? <laughs> true. I'm
1: thinking more of the social media aspect of it. If you're, I don't. I don't get into Supreme Court discussions on okay. my Twitter
0: feeds. So, Good to know. Good yeah. to know. Once again, finally, that's P H I N A L L Y. Finally, the Phillies, the Royals, in the 1980 baseball season that almost wasn't. It's by Jay Daniel, and uh, he's right here in Brownsburg. And of course, if you missed that information, you can get in touch with me. Uh, call us here at the radio station three one seven eight five two sixteen ten. If I don't know the answer, I'll get you in touch with Jay. He's going to help you out ASAP, right?
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely.
0: All right. Thanks for being our guest today.
1: I appreciate it, Shane. Thanks for having me.
0: Alright, our next guest is uh, Well, they're here to talk about The thing that's going on this Saturday Which is the Rockin' Hendricks County event It is Autumn Busey and Trip Nadzak Now, I'll explain why each one of them are here First off, we'll we'll talk with Trip Because uh, he's the one who's Going to have all eyes on him If I may be so brave as to say that How's Trip today? Good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Good. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about TRIP.
3: Uh, Well, professionally, I'm the Vice President of Sales and Customer Service for Endeavor Communications. Uh, We're based in Cloverdale, Indiana, but we're expanding in rural areas throughout Indiana with our fiber-fast broadband.
0: Now, uh, for full disclosure for the listener, Endeavor is also one of the sponsors of this event, but... That's not really why you wanted to ride a bull. You uh, probably wanted to do this for for calls, right? Yes, we aligned with Autumn, Uh, my marketing
3: director, and myself did a a site visit on their location, found out more about what they do, and realized it was an incredibly important um, mission, if
0: you will, that they perform, and we were honored to align with that. All right, well, let's just find out what that's all about, because right next to him... Uh, If you're looking at your radio dial to his left, it is Autumn Busey from Sheltering Wings. How are you, Autumn?
4: Happy to be here. Thanks for having us out. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I have been with Shelter and Wings for almost four years now, and uh, I help with fundraising and community relations for the organization. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, but we're a domestic violence shelter and resource center for the community. So we're, we're excited to partner with Endeavor, and uh, they uh, were offering a rider for us, and, <laughs> and we jumped right on that and said it'd be a great opportunity for us to uh, combine our resources.
0: Now let's talk a little bit about sheltering wings it's uh tell us a little bit about it it's right here in Hendricks county right
4: it is uh we are physically located in Hendricks county however we serve all of central indiana and beyond um and as i stated we're a domestic violence shelter and also just a resource for the community Uh, we can house up to 68 women and children currently we help any victim of domestic violence however no matter what the gender um and we also for those who don't need our residential Services were still there to provide programs and services to help them get through the uh, the issues and trials that they're going through.
0: How long has Sheltering Wings been around?
4: We were actually founded in 2002, so we just celebrated our 16th anniversary in January of 2018. So we're coming up on 17 years.
0: Wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. What uh, what 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 was one of the things that made you want to uh, start working with Sheltering oh, Wings? Oh
4: goodness. Um, I knew that I wanted to get back into non-profit work. I had left non-profit, went to a university, and decided I really wanted to be back in nonprofit work. Yeah. Um, and just their integrity. It's, it's amazing. I say their, it's our integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, just the way that uh, we recognize that everything that we're given is a gift from God and a gift from our community, and we treat it as such. Um, so every donation that comes in, we we make sure that we use the most of that donation, and we make sure that it's actually... Making a difference in the lives of those we serve.
0: Yeah. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, donations. Uh, it, you take donations, but not only in the form of mo- money. Correct.
4: Money. Money's preferred, but always hey, good. we'll take. Yeah, money's always <laughs> good. Um, but yes, we also on our website, uh, which is www.shelteringwings.org, um, you can go to get involved into our wish list, and every month we put up items that we actually need, um, not just things we want. But actual things sure. that we need to actually help the women and children or anyone who comes to us for assistance.
0: So, money, or go to that list mm-hmm. and find out how you can contribute, right? Correct. All right. Uh, You have a Facebook page?
4: Uh, We do have a Facebook page. It's Sheltering Wings. Um, It actually says Sheltering Wings Center for Women. But if you type in Sheltering Wings, uh, you'll you'll see our logo.
0: Yeah. So what can folks find there on the Facebook page? Events coming up? All of that stuff?
4: All sorts of things. Uh, We kind of try to put it into three categories. Uh, The first is just generic information about domestic violence and how to fight that in our community. Uh, The second is things specific two sheltering wings that we're in the midst of and then the third is fundraising and events
0: okay now let's get back to the bull ride now last year i believe some you know uh uh someone said uh when you guys do this next year we would like to be involved and uh what did you like about the bull ride so far
4: um, just the fact that it's, it's such a broad community event. Yeah. Um, nonprofits, you know, coming together, uh, through the radio station, but there's so many of us. And the thing I love is a lot of times with you, when you look at the nonprofits in Hendricks County, um, the work that we do is affecting uh, the work of another nonprofit. Right. And uh, we all kind of intertwine. We're not competing with each other necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, but we're supporting each other in the work that we all do.
0: Right. the radio station is a nonprofit. And, of course, we, you and I network a lot together, and right. we see other nonprofits. And we're all actually out just trying to make Hendricks County a little bit better any way we can.
4: Absolutely. With our
0: own individual talents. Mm-hmm. Speaking of talents, let's ask Tripp. How uh, how are you preparing for this bull ride? Have you ever rode a mechanical bull before? Um, no, actually
3: I haven't. I, ironically, I moved here last year from Colorado and I worked in Colorado and Wyoming for eight years, so I've seen plenty of rodeos but i
0: haven't actually been on the, the riding end of it so far now since uh, you were uh, volunteered i guess you could say to ride the bull for sheltering wings have you been uh, trying to watch uh, maybe some of the, some some other bull riders or getting any clips or has anyone been giving you advice or anything like that well, yes, actually, we watched your video
3: a lot from last year, yeah. and what we didn't want to do was is be the dinosaur, because that <laughs> didn't
0: last very long. Good old Eric, yeah, from the Hendricks County Community Foundation. Yeah, he didn't he didn't last too long. Mm-hmm. So so note to self, or anybody else listening, if you're on a mechanical bull, don't wear a nylon or polyester type suit, because you're going to slide right off. That's right. So. <laughs> now, did you play sports or anything like that? I mean, uh, uh, in, in school or anything? Yeah, I'm very competitive. I actually went to do
3: kind of wrestling scholarship and I spent several years as a US Army Ranger. So I've I've got some pretty severe want to win yeah. type
0: personality <laughs> attitude. And and for this cause it's even more so. Yeah, exactly. Uh so uh you're full you plan on staying on and fighting through any pain or anything like that that happens while you're on the bull. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh have you uh I i was, so, Some of the folks who have got up have said everyone has a little bit of advice for them. Has anyone been whispering to you, hey, here's how you do it, or anything like that?
3: No, I I was pleased to watch the... uh the video of last year, and pe- yeah. the one-hand rule obviously did not apply. Correct. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever it takes to stay on the bull for the longest time, that's 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 what I'm going to
0: do. That's right, and win the prize for sheltering wings. Yes, sir. Right. All right. Well, we certainly do appreciate Endeavor being a sponsor, and we certainly do appreciate uh, sheltering wings. Uh, being involved here, and, uh, we are so glad that, uh, you know, that you guys saw the, saw the, the purpose here and, uh, getting involved, so. Uh, has there is have we covered everything?
4: Let me just mention. I love the fact that this event is in October. For mm-hmm. those that don't know, uh, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Yeah. So it's great to have that extra uh, component in addition to the events that we're doing for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Uh, but you know, great to have this event happening in October too. It's just a kind of a cherry on top
0: yeah. of the month.
4: So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, once again, remind everyone the website
4: www.shelteringwings.org.
0: Okay. Uh, Any future events coming up that you might want to mention?
4: Um, We do have some. We had our vigil last night, which kicks off the month for us. Uh, We have a men's breakfast on October 9th. We have a group that we started last year called Men in Action. Mm -hmm. Uh, The N stands for Indiana. Uh, Free breakfast for any of the guys in our community that would like to come out and just uh, find out a little bit about what we're about. And the whole purpose is, is to encourage you in your walk in life. Um, and then we have a dine out event and a purple in the pews event. Purple in the Pew, pews is on October 14th. And basically, all that is is encouraging people to wear purple to church and take pictures in your purple and post it on social media. And then the last Thursday this month is our dine out event. Uh, Cunningham Restaurant Groups here in Hendricks County, the four mm-hmm. restaurants that they have, uh, they partner with us for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So come out and support us through our dine out event at those restaurants
0: excellent all right now have we covered everything think so think so Love those nods on the head on the radio. I
3: guess tickets are still available, I would imagine. Yes,
0: tickets are still available, and of course, on the night of the event, uh, all the organizations can collect all the way up until it's time for them to get on the bull. So, you guys might be out there with a bucket or a pitcher or something Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. We'll turn that a wheelbarrow. That's even we better. <laughs> we'll turn that in to Kemper CPA, who is doing all of the money checking on that stuff that night, and... Uh, uh, we wish you guys good luck. Thank
4: you. Thanks so much.
0: Well, I have in the studio with me some folks who have never been here before that I can recall, but uh, uh, you may, uh, you may uh, feel like um, you know them by the time all this is over. We're going to start off with uh, Rebecca Holloway. She is with, um, well, let me get back to the subject here. It's all about the Central Indiana um, Enchanted Fairy Trail. And uh, if you don't know about that, that's what you're going to find out about. Now, back to what I was saying. Rebecca Holloway, how are you?
5: Hello, I'm doing well.
0: Good, glad to hear it. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: So, um, I am a resident here in Hendricks County. I've been living here for about five years. Um, and recently, I've been excited to launch um, this nonprofit organization here in Hendricks County to benefit the community.
0: Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about that. Uh, what is the Central Indiana Enchanted Ferry Trail?
5: So, the Central Indiana Enchanted Ferry Trail is a free family adventure trail that's located here in Hendricks County and in Central Indiana. In order to give families and community a chance to go out and see some of the cool places in central Indiana they may not be familiar with. And while they're there, they'll be able to spot local fairies.
0: Okay, that's a bit intriguing. We'll get a little bit more into that. Right across uh, the mic from you is another Rebecca, Rebecca Lawson. Uh, How's Rebecca today?
2: I'm good, thank you so much.
0: Glad to hear it. Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Well, I live right outside of Hendricks County, just right on the Eagle Creek area, and I have played Renaissance Fairs with with Rebecca for years and years, and we have a group called The Lute and the Lady, me and my husband, that play all over um, Renaissance Fairs, all over from Iowa to um, Kentucky to here. We've been all over the place, but I've been... Working with Rebecca on the uh, ferry trail and on the ferry festival that is going to support the ferry trail um, for the last well the last six months really and i 'm on the board for the for the ferry trail, being able to work together has been really fun and being able to see the community. Enjoy this and grow through this
0: Sure, alright, well we'll get back To that in just a second, let's learn a little bit more About uh, the fairy trail itself Where does this spawn from, where did, where did this idea come from?
5: So the mythology of fairy doors And fairy Places in the world um, goes Back hundreds of years, so that's That's a story that's long Told, but um, Several years back in uh, Michigan, a gentleman Decided he wanted to create some urban ferry doors, and he did. He created a fair up in Michigan or a trail, pardon me, in Michigan with these wonderful little doors that businesses put up, and um, it was, it's supposed to be a entranceway into the fairy world. Um, and we've expanded on this thanks to the Richmond Ferry Trail. Um, the folks down there, um, I've known them for a while as well, and um, they created one and collaborated with their Um, Visitors Bureau there and the community, and they have a wonderful trail down there. And I thought, well, you know, we really need that here. So I decided to bring it here, but I wanted to punch it up a little bit. Yeah. So we combined our trail with 24 different businesses here currently, and we are open to accepting more businesses um, as we speak. It's free to participate as a patron or as a business, Mm -hmm. um, creating 24 different. Ferry Points of Interest. So if you're familiar with geocaching, it's kind of like geocaching for fairies. Okay. Or like a treasure hunt. hmm So you can find our maps online, go to our locations. When you get there, each location has a sticker to identify them and a QR code. And when you scan the QR code, you get a free ferry video. And if you go to the Brownsburg Public Library, and hopefully soon the Avon (laughs) Library, you will find a ferry mailbox where um, participants can write a letter to the ferries and drop it in, and then they get a response.
0: Okay. Uh, What what are some of the things we can expect to see on on the ferry trail? What what will we see that would be totally unusual or, or surprise us?
5: So there's some wonderful locations that we have. Um, the businesses that we have collaborated with, mm-hmm. they all design their own ferry stops. So okay. I give them the QR code and the um, the sticker to identify them, and then it's their imagination. I so gotcha. each place is very interesting. Um, everything from Avon Gardens, um, with their well-established ferry um, areas, to um, the Brownsburg public or the Brownsburg Parks Department, they have. A wonderful little flower pot with a little fairy in it. Yes. But um, if you're looking for something very unusual, if you go to the Turning Clay Pottery Bramble Bush, they've even given their location a name, mm-hmm. the Bramble Bush. They have a wonderful display of fairy houses and fairy creatures that they've created from their studio and from their students that have come out that keep adding and growing all the time.
0: Now, all right, so... When it comes to the businesses you don 't got you don 't tell them this is what you 've got to have or anything like that so uh, it 's purely up to their imagination, as you said
5: absolutely, so we really tap into the creative juices yeah. um, that folks have, so different places, different things. Um, the Avon Learning Center has um, a ferry stop, so there is very child oriented um, created by their staff and their students um, the um, Washington Township Park has a wonderful um, ferry trail that they have created with a ferry stop. A whole story that goes into some of the um, history of Washington Township Park with their wonderful fairy that lives there named Keebley. Hmm. Um, And all of that can be found on our website and our Facebook page.
0: Okay. Now, let's go back to uh, Rebecca now. Tell us what what drew you into this project.
2: Well, let's see. (laughs) I have always loved mythology. Mm -hmm. And fairies have always been part of my life because, well... I don't know. Sometimes you just have to say, fairies. I do believe in fairies. I do believe in fairies, <laughs> um, you know, as a child. But then um, with Rebecca, we've been such good friends for so long. And I knew her heart. And I knew where she was going. And then to take it the next step further, because I'm entertainment, um, now we have the what needs to support the actual trail because this is nobody's paying for this Right. (laughs) so how do you how do you support this so she was like I would love to put together a fairy festival and I need help would you be on my board would you help me with entertainment because that's the piece she needed and I was like Absolutely. I already do. I'm already the entertainment director for the Indianapolis Scottish Highland Games Mm -hmm. that happens here once a year. And I said, you know, just kind of fell into my ballpark right where it belongs um, and where it's really comfortable. And I was like, yes, because we already know all of these performers from different um, fairs, Mm -hmm. different Renaissance festivals. And so I could... I had already the connections to say, hey, are you free, you know, May 18th? Mm-hmm. And, and talking to these people while we're performing with them, you know, oh, yeah, no, we've got this festival. Or, yes, actually, we are free. Or did you know that this festival is about to change their date and all of these performers will be free? Because we're <laughs> already in that industry, I could already be able to pull on the amazing performers sure. that we already know of. So, yeah.
0: Uh now I'm not for sure who this next question will go to so you can both kind of <laughs> jump in tell us more about what we can expect the festival are at the festival and when and where and all of that stuff.
5: Okay. So the Central Indiana Enchanted Fairy Festival Mm -hmm. and 21-year-old and older Ethereal Mm -hmm. Ball will be May 18th um, at the Hendricks County Fairgrounds. So this is a family day festival and a festival in the evening for adults, or a ball in the evening for adults. We are going to have five stages with wonderful entertainment, everything from... Um, musicians to a mind reader. We're in the works of getting our mind reader. He has he has to um, be a little convinced. I think he has to make sure uh, <laughs> we are. We're susceptible we're in the works to with his uh, with several, control. Yes, yes. Um, but we have mind readers. We're gonna have a unicorn. That's well, going to be a lot course. of fun. So you, you have know, to have
2: a unicorn with fairies. Well, yeah. I mean, come
5: on. <laughs> We've got. Uh, we're in talks with mermaids, so um, yes. there has to be a council to negotiate that you know, gotcha. the, with the fairy union. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> so we're working on that. They're we'll so have... rough
0: to negotiate with. Sometimes yes, I know. So you they almost need a lawyer. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, that would be in the goblin and troll area. No oh, yeah. offense, to any lawyers do, out there? We actually do
2: have a troll. <laughs> he
5: is. He is well known. Yes. Okay. We will be there. So we have wonderful performers. Ebenezer Grumpy Pants is our bogle, um, which is kind oh. of like a stro- Scottish um, troll or boogeyman, if you like. He does some
0: wonderful children's stories. It's also my nickname around Christmas oh, time. Oh, uh, nice. Wondering. Yes.
2: Uh, you should come and <laughs> dress yeah. up. we we'll a hat for you. Yeah. Um <laughs>
5: We have crafts games. We'll have tea parties, fairy tea parties. This is also in collaboration with the Hendricks County humane society. They will be getting a portion of the proceeds as well. And so we've invited them to come out. Um, it is pet friendly. One of our tea parties is going to be a pet tea party. So you'll be Uh. able to bring out your furry friends or winged friends or whoever behaves, Mm -hmm. um, and have a tea party with our fairies. We will have unicorn races. Um, we are going to have some wonderful food vendors we're in collaboration right now to get an exclusive beer vendor so Mm -hmm. we'll have some um, beer and wine out there in the adult pub Um, oh my goodness costume contest for the ball for the adults Um, so if you um, put in your mind labyrinth uh, the movie Labyrinth, mm-hmm. so if you if you ever desire to dress like that and come out and have fun, um, you can do that. Or if you just want to come out in your blue jeans and your T-shirt and kind of see what's going on, um, that's available as well. Um, we're collaborating with some of the nonprofits in the area as well and the animal rescues. We're going to um, invite them out as well. So a lot of fun things happening. Yes.
0: Okay. Now, if folks want more information on this, is there a Facebook page or a website that they can go to?
5: There's both. So you can find us on the Facebook page of Central Indiana Enchanted Ferry Trail is our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And our website is www.centralinferry.org or www.centralinferryfest.org if you want specific information about the festival.
2: Now, I would mention for the festival, because we are still planning it and putting it together, Mm -hmm. we are open to um, performers and to vendors and to um, food vendors as well. Uh, also, one thing we are doing with the entertainment, we are going to have two stages. One is going to be for the community. So I'm going to be contacting, and if someone hears me, please contact me, <laughs> but um, the schools in Hendricks County and saying, okay, would your choirs like to come out and ha- and perform on our oh. on our community stage? Sure. Um, and then there's going to be a stage for local musicians to be able to come out and get their music out there and heard. Um, and so that those two stages are for local, not just Hendricks County, but Indianapolis, um, proper
0: surrounding counties, surrounding
2: counties. Exactly. That way we can include the community in this and really allow them to know
5: that this is their festival
0: as well. Yeah. Okay. And I assume you're probably open for any sponsorship or something. Oh absolutely.
5: Like that. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely looking for sponsors that would like to collaborate. Um as large as naming a stage or just as small as a contribution to help um, continue to promote the ferry trail, printing our maps and flyers costs. Mm -hmm. So anything that uh, can be contributed to help with that is great, as well as, um, you know, we're taking in applications for – all kinds of opportunities to come and fundraise. If you have a group that you want to come out and participate, I know we're in the talks with Girl Scouts right now. Um, they're coming out and looking to volunteer um, so they can participate um As well. I think we're going to get them on the community stage as well as their volunteering. So, um, lots of opportunities, and we really want this to be community based. Central Indiana has so many wonderful um, businesses and organizations out there, and it's easy to forget what's in your backyard. Oh, yeah. So, we definitely want to highlight as much as we can.
0: Yeah. Now, you also have uh, some brochures just in case people need something to hold in their hand, right? How do they go about getting that?
5: So our brochures are um, typically at all of our ferry stops, um, which they go quick. So (laughs) I try to keep them stocked as often as I can, but the Brownsburg Public Library usually keeps a good stock um, on hand.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, Once again, if you want to remind everyone, those websites and or Facebook pages or any social media or anything like that.
5: Absolutely. So the. www.centralinferryfestival.org is the best place to find us. And um, also, if you're interested to find out who the fairies are that will be participating, the Fay of Norsey Woods, and it's N-O-R-S-E-Y, Norsey, mm-hmm. um, are our resident fairies. And you can find them on Facebook as well. On our website, we will be putting up a blog relatively soon and introducing our particular fairies and their story to Central Indiana, as there has been some upheaval in the fairy world, and we are going to call upon our festival attendees to help us um, settle the unrest between the Sealy and the Unsealy Fae, which is kind of like the the light and the dark fairies to... um, it's a rough explanation, but not good and bad, just light and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to need some support figuring out who their next leader is. Hmm. And we'll be posting that information on the website.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Uh, once again, that's uh, Becca Holloway and also Rebecca Lawson. And uh, they uh, they are all about the Central Indiana Enchanted Ferry Trail. And, of course, if you've missed any of that information, you can get in touch with me here at the radio station, eight five two sixteen ten. And if I don't know the answer, I'll get you in touch with one of those two, <laughs> and they're going to help you out ASAP, right? Absolutely. All right, did <laughs> okay. we cover it all?
5: Pretty I think much. so. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks yes, for thank being
0: our you. guest today.
5: It's wonderful. Thank you so much.
0: This has been Central Indiana Today on WYRZ.